Mifton down Mifton. to Dungeon. Yeah, um, Mifton Peeved. Mifton Peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be Mifton Peeved. Miffed. Don't be Miffed and Peeved. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real world. It's a real one. I don't use it. Not in your vocab? Down to Dungeon. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, also featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. Listen, I'm just having issues on Wednesdays with my sound stuff, so the sound is not impeccable today. I've had to re-record this intro. I'm not too pleased with how the sound is today, so please have some grace for me. We'll get things in line. I'll get my life together, I promise. But until then, here's my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Hi, Andrew. Hey, man. Uh, So last week was maybe the most hit or miss podcast I've ever done. Uh, because I think that some people arrived at the conclusion that, you know what, you guys did a pretty good job of covering that, and then other people are like, I just hate you guys, and I don't know why you put <laughs> me through that again. <laughs> <laughs> we have to. You have to go through the darkness to get to the light, Andrew. Oh, this is a, this is, should be a really fun episode. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of fun things about these past two seasons. Uh, so so let's dig into it. So okay. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, just uh, just to recap, because I oh, do yeah. want to get your opinion. So July 4th, 2016, ended up being the winner yeah. from the Peaks and Valley Division, beat out Game 6. Uh-huh. I didn't vote because it doesn't let me vote, but I was wondering what you would have voted on. Probably probably July 4th. Okay. See, I think I would have gone Game 6, but I, I understand both arguments. It's like if you got stabbed in the left leg or the right leg. It's like, I don't know. Mm. I, I guess the right leg. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, how do you choose that? They're both, you can make the argument that both are equally painful and both are equally as damaging to the Thunder. You know? I'm, I'm glad that we split it up the way we did. That way that only one of those got into the final, final four. Right. <laughs> so we should have, I think we're going to have three positive things in the final four. It's good. It's a good thing. It'll be good. Yeah. So, okay. This is, I was going to tell you this before we started the podcast, but I totally forgot. Now I remembered. Now it's on the podcast. So we've been calling this next era, the post KD era, which is totally wrong. Like we've never been so wrong about something. This is the Russell Westbrook era. That's true. That's true. So that, that, that frames it much more positively. Yeah. We're entering the Russell Westbrook era of the Oklahoma city thunder and I guess our first event is August 4th, right? Yeah, Russell Westbrook Day, the first time. <laughs> Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was declared Russell Westbrook Day just for that day, uh, which, I don't, I don't know, all that stuff is is great, I think, until we like get really far away from it like we are now, and it's like, oh, it's, it's a little weird, it's a little much. Uh, but August 4th, he commits to the Thunder, he signs a a very short term contract with the thunder. I think it was a two years, a two year extension to his contract, uh, where he could opt out after one. Right. Uh, I think like the big moment there was Slater asked him if it stung 
if that Kevin Durant went to Golden State. <laughs> and he just gave the most Russell Westbrook response to it. Sting for who? And then like everybody was like, all right, you're my favorite player that's ever played in the NBA ever. You know, uh, he he was the perfect. He was everything that this city needed after Kevin Durant left in every way. And we'll get into the season. But the way that he attacked that season, the way that he com- like committed to the team that summer, the way that he approached that press conference, the way that he wanted to average a triple-double, the fact that he won the MVP. Like, if if any other team loses, like the Cleveland Cavaliers are not going to have an MVP on their team this year. And they certainly didn't after LeBron left the first time. It is so rare that a team gets the opportunity to have a player like this and recover from them leaving. I don't know. To have Russell Westbrook, it was just he was the perfect thing that the city needed at that time. Yeah, and I think uh – this moment ends up being more memorable than when he signed the long-term extension just because of the situation. It was only, it was exactly one month after Kevin Durant had left. And I, I remember this. It's more memorable to me. Honestly, I really remember what he was wearing. I remember when he went down to the stadium and he was like walking through all the fans. Yeah. Um, It was just a really cool moment for the city. And yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the city realizing like, oh, we had this guy all along. Like, we need to celebrate him more. Yeah. And the the press conference was super weird because it was done in front of fans. And so Mm -hmm. usually at a press conference, there's not like there's not clapping and cheering after people (laughs) say after people say stuff. You're just like you're just listening and you're jotting things down and you know, videoing if that's what you're doing and people, somebody asked another question, but Russell was playing to the crowd, uh, which was awesome. It was just, it was weird, but awesome. I'd like to thank the press for sponsoring today's show. Who boy, you got to go to the press. Their food is outrageous. It's located in the Plaza district near downtown Oklahoma city. And their food is just outstanding. Mac and cheese, their chili Mac Their buffalo mac and cheese is unbelievable. Their salads are fresh. They have great brunch. They have a cornflake fried chicken sandwich that is to die for. They have breakfast hash, which is smashed potatoes, kale, mushrooms, red bell peppers, red onion, avocado, green chili sauce, fried egg, or even a tofu scramble if you'd like. You've got to go for their brunch. They've got a great bar with great cocktail and beer selections. So many local beers are there, including our very own sponsor, Anthem Brewing, is there. So you can go knock out two of our sponsors. Please support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at the press. Okay, so let's get into the season. I have a bunch of... There's so much. I have 25 things total, not from just this season. but Yeah, there's a ton of things to talk there's about. There's a ton of things. So just some, just some plays... Uh, early in the season. So the first one would be Russ's dunk on Capella. Oh, yeah. So this was against the Rockets. Um, this was at home. The Thunder were up 103 to 100 with seven seconds left. Russ streaks towards the goal. He gets the pass. He dunks over Capella. He did not need to do that. They really just needed to <laughs> run out the clock. He needed to get fouled. And he didn't give them time, right. time to get fouled. Like, that's what needed to happen. Is he needed to grab the ball and wait for them to foul him. Exactly. Yeah. And instead, he decides, well, 
this really good uh, interior defender there, this great rim protector is there. Maybe I'll just try to dunk over him. We'll see how that goes. So he dunks over Capella, and then he has one of his best reactions. He pounds his chest. He stomps his feet like he's a giant mm-hmm. or something. Just really fires up the crowd. They end up winning, of course. Um, but that was one of those early games that just really set the tone for the rest of the season. Oh, that's great. I think Bleacher Report put out some video of Russ doing that and then it looking like Capella gets struck by lightning and then falls over. <laughs> I mean, like <clears throat> that uh, kind of encapsulates that season in a way is that did Russell need to do everything that he did? No, absolutely not. He did not need to do everything he did, but was it awesome? Yup. It was so awesome. Right. Um, another one. So this was just a month later in December, December 17th, 2016, a home game against Phoenix. This is when Russ hits the sham God <laughs> yeah. and then he drops it off to Steven Adams with style. He, like it's just an insane play. What I'd forgotten about it was that Russ, that was his 22nd assist for that game. He actually right. finished with 26 points, 22 assists and 11 rebounds. But it's another one of those highlight plays that he just, I, I don't know if it was just more memorable because it was that season. I mean, he's obviously been making great plays his whole career, but everything was just amplified that season. Oh, he man. was just playing with so yeah. much more flair because I think he realized, like, it's it's my team. I can, as he said in his uh, his commercial, I can do what I want now. Right. And he, it really just like every, every game, there was like a Russell Westbrook highlight, like him just kind of showing off and being himself. Yeah. The, the now I do what I want commercial is also encapsulates that season <laughs> because right yeah it it's just like an in your face Kevin Durant kind of thing and I mean and it was said that once Russell Westbrook heard about Kevin Durant leaving he almost immediately planted his flag in Oklahoma City it didn't happen you know in the, in the public eye like that. Right. But he immediately went to Sam Presley. He's like, what's next? What are we going to do? And it's kind of been like that since. Like Russell has never even considered leaving. He's he's his timing has been strange on things to where it's left kind of some time and space for people to think, oh, well, maybe Russell's not doing this. And even, even people reported like there's no way Russell Westbrook is staying in Oklahoma City. Like, people reported that it was wrong. I don't know who they heard it from. Uh, but yeah, he, he's always been here. And so it's, it's interesting. Uh, a couple, uh, transactions, August 30th, 2016. I was in mid podcast with Nikki K from KFOR that's now in Los Angeles. Uh, but Joffrey Laverne was traded to the thunder for two conditional <laughs> second round picks. Oh, wow. What a memory. <laughs> I mean, I remember it very vividly. <laughs> uh, yeah, we talked ourselves into that one pretty quick. Yeah. Isn't it weird that he was on this team? Yeah, it's weird that he was on the team. It's weird what we traded him for. It's weird that he ended up on the Spurs. It's weird that he's not in the NBA anymore. Yeah, he's just not Everything good. about him. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, in, he may have never been good. Oh, he wasn't. Yeah, he never was good. He did some. He did some good things. And I remember at some point in the season, he had some statistic that I like latched on to that I was like, yeah, he might be good. And I was really stupid. Now, that was that was an offseason moment. What about the other famous offseason moment from that year? The Ronnie Price contract. Yes, I have that. 
33-year-old veteran journeyman point guard signed to a two-year guaranteed deal. Not only did the Thunder waive price before the season start, they did it because of the summer league performance of one Samaje Kristen. Now I actually went back and looked it up. So in four summer leagues game, in four summer league games, Samaj averaged sixteen point eight points on forty seven percent shooting, three and a half rebounds, four point three assists, and two and a half steals per game. I mean, how could you turn that down? You know, what a monster! Yeah, that that <laughs> that's probably one of Presti's worst deals. I mean, obviously it's minor in the grand scheme of things, but mm-hmm. that was a bad one. I have some info that says that it wasn't Presti's decision. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Who who was it? Was it uh? What, who's the guy from Orlando? Rob Hennigan. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't <laughs> even there yet. He was. He's like, I, I just have this foresight that I'm going to be the director of foresight and insight, and I'm going to need you to sign Samaje Christian to a contract. No, I can tell you. I can tell you more details later. But oh, you're saying the Samaje wasn't Presty, or Ronnie Price? Well. Presty, from what I understand, wanted Ronnie Price on the team oh, okay. and as the backup point guard for this season. It wasn't necessarily his decision to choose one over the other. Anyways, it was, it was probably our fault. We probably <coughs> were like really excited about his summer league performance. Yeah, also preseason, he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, okay. Another. Not that one. Ronnie Price would be good. There's a, like there's another layer to that. Like we think right. that Ronnie Price would be good. Like the, right. he was out of the NBA after that. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it was bad. It was dumb, but it's not like having him over Samaj would have been like the greatest thing ever. And right. Thunder yeah. would have had like a serviceable backup worker. Like, no. So uh, one of the moments I wanted to bring up from the MVP season, which isn't necessarily a positive moment because we're going to talk about some of the golden state games in 2018. Yeah. But the kind of scuffles, I mean, that's what I remember from those games in the 16, 17 mm-hmm. season, the scuffles during the OKC Golden State games, like when Andre went head to head with KD, Ooh, the forehead, the forehead rubbing. Yes. And then Samaj pushed Steph um, and then Russ yelling at KD. I'm coming. I'm coming. All while getting blown out again and again. <laughs> but the but but those were like really cool moments within these terrible losses um that made us feel bad but it at least showed us that like the team wasn't going to just lay down like they were going right. to stand up to golden state and let kd know specifically how much they did not like him anymore right uh, those were some of the most miserable basketball games that i've ever watched yeah they were it was not fun it they were i mean the fights were like oh like it, it, and ultimately it's just like this sucks because the Thunder just got destroyed. And we'll talk about the next season's wins, but it just felt like, man, they're never going to beat that team, are they? Right. <laughs> like They're just never because the Warriors were really, obviously, the one of the best teams of all time. But they took it to another level when they played the Thunder. Like They, they yeah. wanted to come in and embarrass them, and they did. And the crowd was so like vicious and trying to do whatever they could to try to hurt Kevin Durant with chants and cupcakes and all these things. And it was just like, none of this is ever going to work or make anybody feel better. And it just made everybody feel much, much worse after it was, ter- <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> um, okay. Do you want to go? Do you have one? 
Uh, I do. Uh, it involves Dr. Richard Harkaway. Do you know him? What? Nope. <laughs> Game one of that season, the first Russell Westbrook led season, Dr. Richard Harkaway was sitting courtside at the game. Uh, and yes. apparently he got a story with the New York Post saying that Russell Westbrook called him fat. And Dr. Richard Harkaway, who is a urologist and a part-time comedian, turns and gives Russell Westbrook the double birds. And then he (laughs) hilariously points at Dr. Richard Harkaway as Kyle Singler stands behind him. And I think Kyle Singler said something to him as well. He must have. He must have said, dude, you can go floating with me later on and you'll feel better and you won't have to do that anymore. Yeah, that well, that was a great way to start that season. Oh that was man, very fun. yeah, and they like they barely beat that that Philly team that night, <laughs> right? Uh, but little did we know how good Joel Embiid was, because Joel Embiid played in that game, and we hadn't really seen much of him. And there were some good players on that team, but that still was not a good Sixers team. Uh, but yeah, Doctor Doctor Richard Harkaway really really brought the Thunder season to life with that. Um, so another individual play, the Russ cross court through the legs pass to Oladipo. This was uh, March 16th, 2017, a oh, game yeah. at Toronto. They're on the fast break and Russ throws a bounce pass entirely across the court, goes through Corey Joseph's legs. Vic barely hangs on to it and <laughs> finishes the layup. Um, another one of those just random plays during the season that I really liked. Uh, that he oh, probably shouldn't have thrown. Right. Completely lucky that it went through Corey <laughs> Joseph's legs. But that's how that season was. Like, Russ was just, everything was clicking. Everything worked that he did. Should, that season should just be titled Completely Unnecessary But Awesome. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> everything about it. Uh, okay, so let's see. Hold on one second. Okay, so I have the the Jeremy Grant for Irsan Ilyasova trade also. Was, okay. was an event. Uh, the Thunder traded Ersan Ilyasova and a conditional first-round pick for Jeremy Grant. And at the time, it was like, huh, what's going on here? <laughs> and people mentioned this throughout the entire season, that the Thunder like really could have used Ersan Ilyasova. And he would, you know, he would have helped them because he's a, a shooter and the Thunder really needs shooting. And But honestly, like it was a one of Presti's better trades. Uh, to get Jeremy Grant because he saw something and Jeremy Grant's a really good player now and a useful player in the modern NBA. So uh, shout out to Sam Presti for that trade. Um, So with the, we're eventually going to talk about the MVP just in general, but I thought an individual moment because there are so many, but we could encapsulate it in one would be Russ's late game heroics. Oh yeah. From that year. So I'm just going to run through these real quick. Cause I went and looked them up. So we talked about Houston where he had the game ceiling dunk over Capella Orlando. Okay. See down 14. He hits the game tying shot and then he won it in overtime. Dallas. He scored 12 in the final three and a half minutes and hit the game winner. <laughs> Denver, he scored the final 15 points and hit a buzzer beater. Memphis, 15-0 run by himself in the final two and a half minutes. Oh, yeah. Utah scored 11 of OKC's final 13 and hit a game winner. Boston, Westbrook hits a dagger three-pointer up by three with less than a minute left. And then Portland, he scores 19 of OKC's final 22. That's like eight games where he had like MVP-level moments. He was unbelievable. And we'll talk. let's talk about like the 
Oh, and we'll, let's we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm just I'm I'm right. rushing. one of those I'm games rushing. I think deserves its own memory. Yes. But. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so one of my moments from that season is Demonis Sabonis never shooting free throws. So <laughs> he started and played a ton of minutes before he got his first free throw attempt. He played six games and then he shot two free throws and then he went. Let's see. 20 games without shooting a free throw. And he's playing big minutes, 28 minutes a night, 20 minutes, 21 minutes, you know, 23, all the way through this until we get to December 17th. And then he shoots two. And then he has four games with none, has one. And then he has like six games with no free throws. Like the no free throw stuff with him was so weird throughout the season. Uh, He's I liked Amadeus Sabonis a lot. Like I think I think he's going to be a good NBA player. I think he already is. But there was something about playing with Russell that terrified Domas, and he was not the most aggressive player uh, whenever he was on the court with Russell. And unfortunately for him, he played with Russell almost exclusively. <laughs> so I'm trying to find the game. There was one game that he just went crazy, and Russell that was said. Uh- Minnesota game. Second to last game of the season. They played Minnesota. Russell sat. He played 32 minutes, and he had 19 points, a steal, three assists, and nine rebounds. 105 from three, six to 16 from the uh, from the field, which is not great. But still, he's kind of awesome, and he shot six free throws in that game. <laughs> I think that's a, um, a season-high six free throws in that game. Another... Another one that was uh, pretty memorable because at some point during that season, we're all having a great time, but we're also thinking ahead, like, how is Presti going to make this team better? Mm -hmm. And he makes the Taj Gibson trade. Yeah. Where OKC got Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott, and Chicago's second round pick, arguably the three best assets in that trade for Anthony Morrow, Cameron Payne, and Joffrey Laverne. I think you could argue that this is Presti's greatest trade just in terms of the value difference between what went out and what came in. It was a total shocker, I feel like, to the fan base that we didn't have to give up any picks. We got this second round pick, which was going to be a pr- pretty good one in the future, and it turned out to be flipped for Carmelo. Yeah. And we got two guys who could come in and be NBA rotation players right off the bat. Yeah, it made no sense. Still I mean, makes no sense. <laughs> I thought... I mean, honestly, you're working through fake trades, and, and mostly we don't know what we're doing when we're doing that. But you thought maybe you could flip Robertson for a Doug McDermott, you know? Like, that's, like, the thought in your head about it. Like, how are you going to get Doug McDermott on this team? Like, I don't know. Like, he was a lottery pick, and he's a, a shooting wing. Like, that sounds like something good for the Thunder. Maybe they could just trade Robertson for him. And it turns out you could just trade your – Basically, your three worst players for him. And you get Todd Gibson, who is awesome. Todd Gibson's a really good basketball player. Uh, yeah, that's it's just almost like a weird, a weird trade. It just makes no sense. And the second round, like, why are you giving the Thunder a second round pick? <laughs> and that was kind of the first trade that set us off on, like, the next six months of Presti trades. Right. None of which made, like, a ton of sense and none of which we would have ever predicted. Right. Uh, another moment from that season, January 25th, uh, Ennis Cantor uh, goes mm. to the bench and punches a chair and breaks his arm. 
the Thunder were kind of rolling at that point. I think they had won like two or three games in a row. And Cantor was one of the best players on that team. Uh, he was the he was probably the second best offensive player on that team easily. And because a lot of people think about Victor Oladipo, it must have been him. No, it was Ennis Cantor. He was a monster that season until he punched a chair. He's out for two months. Uh, it was miserable. <laughs> and that's when Cantor had started to figure things out. He was kind of he was picking apart double teams and making good passes and playing decent defense. And uh, he never really got it back and was pretty terrible come playoff time when he returned. But, yeah, I think that's definitely a big moment from that season. They may have won more games had Cantor been able to play. But uh, punch a chair. So we talked about the late game heroics. I think an individual game that we have to pull out from that is the Denver game. Um, because the Denver game was kind of the peak of that season. Oh, yeah. First of all, Russ passed Oscar Robertson. He had his for most triple doubles in a season with mm-hmm. 42. The 10th assist, of course, came on a pass to your favorite, Samaje Kristen, who hit a corner three. And it was a cool moment because the Denver crowd was definitely aware of the significance. Yeah. And there was actually a lot of loud cheering at that time. And then, of course, he ends the game hitting the ridiculous game winner, yes. a three-pointer from like way behind the line. Just a, I mean, when people talk about like Heisman moments or an MVP moment, that was definitely Russ's MVP moment. Yeah, I and few, the game that everyone pointed back to. Oh yeah, it, I have a few notes from that game. It was crazy in so many ways. That three that Samaj hit, it was one of twelve that he hit all season. I mean, oh, wow! It's like, the odds of him hitting that, and he had he had dumped the ball off to Domas, who was just so terrified to have the ball in that moment that he just missed these two really easy shots. Canner missed a little bunny at the end there, and then it just ended up in the hands of Samaj, wide open, no one even thinking about closing out to him, and he winds up, takes a couple seconds, shoots it, swish. Uh, there, there's history. Uh, so this was Russell Westbrook's third 50-point triple-double, which is the most in NBA history. Uh, Kyle Singler was the person who passed the ball in at that last play. Uh, he threw it to Steve, uh, who ended up assisting to Russell on that three. And he took that three from the exact same spot that he took that three in his Mountain Dew commercial that year. I don't know if you remember Oh. That. So people were talking about that after the game. Uh, I was actually at the... In, I wasn't in the Mountain Dew commercial, but I was like called in to be an extra. My wife and I were for that Mountain Dew commercial. We ended up really. Getting, we ended up getting cut out of it, but I got to watch Ooh. Russell try to shoot that shot in this gym, and it took him probably thirty times to make it. It was, <laughs> it was pretty hilarious, uh, and he—that's the shot that he made to to win this game. So the Denver crowd in that game was cheering for Russell Westbrook, and if. And they knew this, like this different crowd, like they're, they're a pretty smart fan base. When Russell hit that shot, it knocked them out of the playoffs. Like they, right. all their playoff hopes were killed that night when Russell Westbrook hit that shot. And whenever Russell assisted to Samaj and got the record, the Thunder were down 10 with like three minutes left. And they ended up winning the game. I mean, it's that game it's worth probably going and rewatching the last five minutes of it 
just it's the most insane thing. It just made no sense. Just like that season, completely unnecessary, but completely awesome. I mean, it's just yeah, that that game. It's it's one of the best games in Thunder history. I mean, easily because there is like actual history within it. But then like the comeback and the three. I mean, every, it's just it's crazy. And those are the moments where, when you look back on the MVP debate, n- now looking back, it's like, well, of course it was Westbrook. Like, there's so many moments from that season. Like, he was that season yeah. for the NBA. And obviously, like, James Harden had a great season. Kawhi had a great season. LeBron had a great season. But Westbrook really took over that season and is what people are going to talk about in a decade when they're remembering that year. Right. And honestly... Like Daryl Morey, I believe that he shapes a lot of these conversations that people are having. I mean, especially because he and Bill Simmons are such big buddies. Like he shapes these conversations. Like, oh, like why did Russell Westbrook win the MVP? Because he just got all these triple doubles. And now people just repeat that crap. And it's just not true. Right. Okay, tell me this. If James Harden averaged a triple double that season and won the MVP, would we be talking down triple doubles right now? No, of course. The answer not. is no. It's crazy that that even happened. I mean, that whole se- the whole season, the conversation was like, well, everybody wants to be smart and sound smart, and to do that, you have to kind of like think think at a higher level than other people. Oh, well, these triple doubles are just arbitrary. Why are we even considering them? But it's just because we don't. They don't like the guy. Like they don't like Russell. They don't like the Thunder, and they don't want to talk about. It. If it was the Rockets. If that was happening on the Rockets and Daryl Morey could control that conversation and James Harden was averaging a triple-double, we would be praising triple-doubles like it was the greatest thing that had ever happened and James Harden would win the MVP forever just because he did that. But because it's Russell Westbrook, because it's the Thunder, we have to try to find a way to downplay it. And people are still doing it. I mean, Bill Simmons is still doing it. I saw a picture of him wearing this shirt saying like, the right choice is James Harden or some crap. I don't know. Like, it's just crazy. And to me, it's just because he's buddies with the guy that has James Harden on his team. And I, don't, I just don't think people realize that. And that Russell was the most deserving MVP that season. He was fantastic. He was not only did he average a triple-double, but he took this team that seemed hopeless. When Kevin Durant left this team, it seemed like it is over. The Thunder are done as we know them. Russell Westbrook is probably going to leave. The the rust to the Lakers stuff had already started on July 5th. I mean, it was just everybody thought everything was going to fall apart. We're going to rebuild. You know, it happens to every team. That sucks. But here we go. But no, the Thunder had an incredible season. They were not expected to win 47 games. They were expected to win like in the low 40s, probably miss the playoffs. That's the kind of team that they were, but Russell drugged them to all these wins, like you mentioned, with his late game heroics, with his efficiency in shooting. There was a, a through most of the season, Russell was shooting better from three than James Harden. I mean, it it was insane. He had the best season, obviously an MVP. You know, a lot of people will talk about like Kevin Durant joining the Warriors, but the real the main story, like the feel-good story of the NBA that season was Russell Westbrook, not James Harden. People did not make the wrong decision. People need to stop saying that crap because it's just not true. 
Sounds like I have touched a nerve today. Oh, sorry. Uh, I almost think the MVP debate deserves its own memory, but I'll probably yeah. encapsulate it with Russ winning the MVP and just mention the MVP debate because the MVP debate, I mean, it went, it felt like it went on for the entire season, but it oh, definitely man. went on yeah. for six months at least. Yeah. And I think looking back, the important role that Kawhi played is what some people forget because Kawhi picked off a lot of the, uh, you know, quote unquote smart NBA voters. Yeah. Zach you know, Lowe. Zach Lowe mm-hmm. had written his MVP case and said definitively, like I am voting for James Harden. I do think that could have impacted the race more than, mm-hmm. you know, more than we think. But the fact that he chose Kawhi, like he looked at everything and said, I actually think Kawhi had the best season, which I get, I get how you get there. <laughs> Yeah. Because the basic argument is, well, from the hardened people is like, oh, you guys don't care about wins. And it's like, OK, well, fine. If you care about wins, then we should vote for Kawhi because right. he had an equally efficient season compared to Harden. Mm-hmm. So it was really helpful for the Russ fans to have Kawhi there because Kawhi season and James Harden season were similar in that way. It was, it was, they were these hyper efficient seasons on really, really good teams. But that was kind of where the narrative ended. The narrative with Westbrook was so much more deep and interesting. And plus you throw in all these late game heroic highlights. Yeah. I mean, it's even Danny LaRue and Nate Duncan, who are like the robots of NBA media, who like just look at stats. They, they can't, you can't watch every game. Like that's impossible, but they dig in and they look at everything and they both came to the conclusion that Russell was the MVP. And, I don't always agree with what they have to say, but they use like clear evidence to get to their conclusion. And so I don't know what to tell everybody that still thinks they shouldn't have an MVP. I just think that they're idiots. Like they're it's stupid. Okay. Um, I, I have a few more from this season. Okay. Uh, first. So the OKC Houston series in the playoffs wasn't yeah. that great over in five, but mm-hmm. a very memorable moment from it was the purposely missed free throw. Oh yeah. So this was game four in OKC. The Rockets were up 108, 103 with 21.7 seconds left. Adams is at the free throw line. He makes the first and then he walks back all the way to half court, says something to Russ, Russ nods. Then Adams purposely misses the shot, grabs the rebound in midair and immediately passes it back to Westbrook without touching the ground. And then Russ nails a three. So it becomes a one point game with 18 seconds left. They would actually go on to lose by four, 113 to 109. But it was just a really cool play that it actually worked out. And Adams, you know, just goes back to him and says, Hey, I'm going to try this out. Let's do this. <laughs> Adams, and it all worked. He's, a, I, I continue to say this, and I will continue to say it for a long time. Uh, Steven Adams is the smartest basketball player on the team. Like, period. <laughs> uh, okay, one moment from in season. January 23rd, 2017. Does that mean anything to you? January 23rd, 2017. So this is post-Canter. This is pre-Canter breaking his arm. Uh, this is post-Canter. No, no, no. It's like a couple days before Canter broke his arm. Uh, you seeing Canter at Arby's? <laughs> no, that was a great moment, though. <laughs> we got some really good um, Andy's mint shakes from him. Uh, no, this this is this and, you, and you told him how much you liked his passing. I did. I said, "Man, so you were really working on your passing, huh?" 
He's like, what? What do you want? What food do you want? <laughs> uh, no, this was the day that I'll remember forever. And it was the day that the Miami Heat beat the Golden State Warriors on a buzzer beating <laughs> shot from Dion Waiters. So Jeez. that's 100 to 102. Kevin Durant drives to the basket, dunks, ties the game at 102 with 11 seconds left. Deion Waiters takes the ball, waves everybody off. It's him and Clay Thompson, mano y mano. He takes Clay off the dribble, step back three, bang, game winner, crosses his arms. Everybody just piles on him. He turns to the camera does a really big shrug and crosses his arms so the camera can see exactly what he's doing. <laughs> that was not the direction where he shot the ball. He turns to the camera. Dion Waiters is easily one of the best Thunder moments of that season. Oh, I'm putting that at the bottom of the list. <laughs> it was great. You can't tell me that that was not a fun moment. Yeah, of course it was a fun moment. It's not a Thunder moment. It is most definitely a Thunder moment. God. Um, I'll briefly mention Westbrook's MVP speech. I don't think it's going to make the top 16. Um, it you was know, good. It was good. It was good. It was better than James Harden. Uh, not as memorable as KD, probably. It was It was solid. It was, it was a great speech. He brought his teammates up onto the stage. It was Andre, Todd Gibson, Nick Collison, Cantor, and Victor Oladipo. So most of those dudes were gone in the next <laughs> two months. Uh, <laughs> one thing I didn't remember when I went back and watched uh, Andre Robertson was crying when he was talking about his brother. When Russ was talking about his own brother, he could look and see oh, really? Dre like getting teared up in the background. Yeah, oh, that's sweet. It was a good speech, um, and I went and I watched James Harden's speech. It's embarrassing. It's yeah, absolutely his is bad. embarrassing. Yeah, it's it's cringeworthy. Bad. He yells swag right right before he leaves the stage. Did you have any other in season moments? Um. I had playoff. I had some stuff on the playoffs. Okay, let's do those. Okay. Andre Robertson will be remembered as the dude that shot, let me see the exact percentage. Oh, 14% from the free throw line. He was 3 of 21 from the free throw line in the playoffs. But people forget how awesome he was despite all that. In 5 games he had 17 blocks. And, tw- wow. and 12 assists or 12 steals and nine assists. He was the second leading scorer for the Thunder team, which when I look back at it, it doesn't say a whole lot because this is crazy. OK, just get ready for this number. Russell Westbrook scored 187 points in that series in five games. Try to guess how many points Andre Robertson had in five games. Um, I'll go with like. I'm guessing it's low, so I'll say like 19. No, 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 no. Not that low. Like 187 oh, okay. to 19? No, no. I don't know. 58 points. Okay. The next highest is 58. Oh, he was the second leading scorer. Yes. Oh, the total okay. amount of points scored. Okay. Yep, that was that season. 187 to 58. Uh, but Robertson, he was awesome. He was 7 of 17 from three. 
but he was 3 of 21 from the free throw line. He shot 41% from the free throw line and 14% from the free throw line. Uh, But he was easily their second best player in that series. And I think that that gets forgotten because all we want to talk about is the free throws. But his play beyond that was incredible. And he was easily one of the best players on the floor. Victor Oladipo shot 24% from three in the series. He had an effective field goal percentage of 39%. He shot six free throws total in that series. He only scored 54 points total. He was not great. Uh, Asta Donovan did a pretty terrible job in that series managing the rotations. Uh, really, they should have been playing just, you know, really the starting lineup and probably Alex Sabrinas and Jeremy Grant and maybe Doug McDermott, you know, in that series. Because everybody else is pretty terrible. You know, they, they had signed Norris Cole at the end of the season, and they tried to play oh, him. Yeah. They tried to play him. They tried to play Samaj. They played Kyle Singler in the first two games of that series. It was just, it, it was, it was Billy Donovan's, like, worst tinkering at the worst time. It was just, it was not good. And the Thunder... When Russ was on the court, they had the better team. But when Russ went off the court, I mean, everything just completely unraveled. And that's how they lost the series. But anyways, that that series, I think Dre is maligned. But I think if you go back and look, I mean, it, it shocked me that he had 17 blocks in five games. I mean, that's just, I had, Man, I had no idea. How bad was Vic? So he scored less than 58 points? Yeah, he scored 54 points total. He was really bad. Wow. 34% from the field. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's why people are so, like, people are like, why were everybody so down on him? Like, why? Man, he's, Russell Westbrook made him suck, you know? Like, right. He, he actually just got better over the summer. And that happens for guys that are 24 years old. Like, those, those guys get better. That happens. Especially when they, like, know the process of how to get better. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, so a quick one before we get in, um, to like the, the big summer yeah, was your coined phrase, the summer of internal development. I just wanted to give it a shout out. <laughs> Thank you. So this was the summer immediately after Westbrook's MVP year. Yeah. You know, you, you got to figure out something to do on the pods. What are you going to talk about? And, and you were, you were hyping up the summer of internal development. <sighs> it was the hot topic of conversation. We were talking about how uh, Sabonis was, oh, he could get better. And Oladipo, oh, he could get better. Yeah. And that was, and that was kind of what we were hoping for. It was right. just like, well, these guys on the roster, that's what we have to go with. So uh, they right. just have to get better. <laughs> right. Oh, one more thing from the season before. Uh, Victor Oladipo had the dunk of the year over Dwight Howard. Oh, did he really? Oh, yeah. Good for him. I don't remember it. <laughs> uh, are you going to mention the Terrence Ferguson draft? before we move into like the really big things? Uh, I didn't. Do, do you want to talk about it briefly? Yeah. I think it was like a big down to dunk moment for a lot of reasons. We had like our first draft party. I think we're going to have those for forever now, but it was a huge, it was a huge showing of people to see who the thunder picked at 21st. It was really crazy. And then when we, they picked Terrence Ferguson, everyone booed and it was, Really great. We yeah. wanted, I wanted OG and Anobi so bad. And I thought, oh, he's falling to the Thunder. This is going to be awesome. And then we got wind that it was Terrence Ferguson. I was staying off Twitter 
And I remember a lot of people just looking at me that weren't staying off Twitter that saw that they were taking Terrence Ferguson. They just looked at me and they just looked so sad and they're just shaking their heads at me. Just like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, we wanted OG so bad. So bad. And we were right. Still right. We were right. Still right. Still right. <laughs> but so Terrence, then I- Terrence Ferguson could be good still, but I, I still think they made the wrong decision. Before we talk about this spectacular Paul George trade, I've got to tell you first about Day Creative. They're based in Norman, and they're a full-service web design agency that wants to see your business thrive. If you have a business that that has a website that you're not satisfied with, or you're a business that's saying, hey, we need to make a website, don't try to do it yourself. Find the experts, and the experts are at Day Creative. So you can talk to Matt personally he's a fantastic guy a thunder fan as well and so you know right there you have some common ground with him day creative will build your online identity and expand your brand to audiences you haven't even considered say goodbye to the cookie cutter templates and leave the heavy lifting to day creative and now on to one of the greatest trades ever paul george to oklahoma city so then we get to June 30th, 2017. I think it was Ramona Shelburne. It was. First tweeted out, Paul George is being traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh. Crazy. And, and we didn't know who he was traded for right off the bat. Right. That was the first trade. And because I went back and read our tweets and we were like trying to figure out who might be in the deal. Of course, everyone was assuming that, well, they must have included some future pick. Yeah. And then we find out that it's just Old Depot and Sabonis. And yeah. I was uh, I had my graduation the very next morning. And so I was at like a family dinner. And of course, everyone just wants to talk to me, you know, because they're <laughs> visiting or whatever. <laughs> and I remember my waitress was a Golden State fan. She wouldn't shut up about it. Ugh. She kept talking about it. And uh, I was checking my phone underneath the table. And when I saw that Ramona Shelburne tweet, I excused myself. And I went to the bathroom and I sat in that bathroom for like 10 <laughs> minutes just scrolling. <laughs> I was I was so excited. I mean, really out of the blue trade. Could yeah. not believe it. Something that we would have never guessed on any trade machine. Right. Really just like an incredible moment. Well, it's funny because Carson Cunningham, shout out to Carson, was one of the first people that was trying to come up with fake Paul George trades to the Thunder. I just thought he was crazy. I just thought the Thunder aren't going to get Paul George. He, he was right. He was he had sniffed it out early, but he was his trade was Adams and Oladipo for Paul George, which probably makes way more sense than, yeah. the, than the trade they got. Like That seems like more of an even trade, especially at the time when both their value was a little low, like for the players that both Adams and Oladipo are. And so I think, I mean, that's the trade that made probably the most sense to like everybody in the NBA because people crushed this trade for Indiana. And like now people understand that both those, obviously Victor Oladipo and Domas are good basketball players. But um, at the time, everybody was just praising OKC and just crushing Indiana for what they did. But yeah, I remember that night. The next day I was driving. We were going to get up super early and drive to New Mexico. Like we were going to leave at like three o'clock in the morning to go. We still did, but I just didn't sleep at all that night and <laughs> did podcasts. And I remember I was putting one of my kids to bed and scrolling through and I saw the tweet and I was 
like my first inclination is like, I got to look, somebody probably retweeted this. It's an unverified account. It's just like, yeah, Ramona shall burn one, two, three, four. And they're just messing with thunder fans, just trying to make us feel bad. Um, so it was, it was absolutely insane. Uh, it's still is, cr- it's still crazy. That the thunder have Paul George on their team after losing Kevin Durant, you know, you should have the trade chips outside of Russell Westbrook to go get a guy like that. And Sam Presti just swings one of the best trades in Thunder history easily. Uh, it was a hu- huge moment because then you feel like, okay, like now I can see a path to the Thunder like quasi contending again, or at least being one of the better teams in the West. And it's not just fighting for a playoff spot because it, at the end of the season, it was like, yeah, it, it was awesome and really fun. How sustainable is that? Like, is it, was there anything sustainable about what happened in Russell Westbrook's MVP season? Like, I don't, I don't think so. And I think that we were shown last season that that's true, that it just wasn't sustainable for him to just be a hero every single night. Um, but to be able to recover and get him, it's just a crazy moment in Thunder history. And you actually tweeted at that time, I guess I'll forgive Sam for not drafting Derek White or OG. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone back on that. You don't forgive him anymore. Yeah, I take that back. I still like, uh, so I still the, like Derek White, too. The next big moment, September 23rd, 2017, Saturday morning, out here on the Pacific Coast. It was probably around 9 a.m. Yeah. I was hungover. <laughs> I was lying on the floor of my bathroom in oh, my underwear. No. Oh, no. Alex, I was I was blowing chunks, man. Really, it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I and in between bouts of of dry heaving, I was scrolling on my phone, laying in the fetal position, and it came across that the Thunder had traded for Carmelo Anthony, which again, like on the on the back of the Paul George trade, just another crazy out of the blue thing. Oh. And this one, I mean, this one probably didn't seem as crazy. But it should have because, like, he had his no trade clause. Everyone, we just kind of dismissed it because it's like, well, he's never going to waive his no trade clause to come to Oklahoma City, right? And then it happens, and all of a sudden we have a big three, or so we thought, right? And it we was at least just have three like NBA stars like heading for the Hall of Fame on our team, yeah. And, and the idea of having Carmelo Anthony, who I don't know, he just like epitomizes like. NBA star to me. Yeah. Just the way he carries himself and like the big city being in New York. Like there's just something different about Carmelo Mm -hmm. in the same way. There's something different about like Dwayne Wade or LeBron James. Like those guys just have a different feel to them Mm -hmm. in terms of like the NBA landscape. So the idea of that guy coming to Oklahoma city was just, it was wild. It was wild. I could, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You remember Bill Simmons tweets earlier that summer where the, he said that the Thunder and Carmelo Anthony are circling each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Bill. Yeah. At that moment, I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I don't know. Like, what, am I, what am I supposed to think about that? Uh, and then you had the hoodie mellow stuff. And then you get to training camp and mellow does the whole who me, you know, you know, P this, I got to come off the bench stuff. Right. Yeah. I'll probably include that within the trade. Um, yes. Maybe deserving of its own, but I want to include more stuff. So. Or when he gets cold water poured on him and he uh, curses, lots of curse words. 
Oh, that was a good one. Classic. <laughs> Classic mellow moment. Like, I'm trying to, like, come up with mellow moments. Like, those are them. And then, <laughs> like, him getting benched. He had some good games for the Thunder, obviously. Like, he wasn't just terrible the whole season. But ultimately... Yeah, that one where that one game where he got hurt uh, against Golden State <laughs> right. after six minutes. That was great. That was nice. Uh, uh, before we yeah. get there, only six days later... September 29th, 2017. Russ signs his long-term extension, five years, $205 million. Um, I was reading, I went back and read the ESPN report from it, mm-hmm. and I thought this was interesting because I, I knew this at the time, but I'd forgotten what the plan, they said, was to announce it Sunday before a public team scrimmage at a local high school. Brooke Westbrook showed up at the practice facility Friday and said it was the day to make it official. Which, of course, it just happens to be Kevin Durant's birthday. Right. September 29th. So just we never happens really, to be. Quote we unquote. never really got an explanation, like, why Westbrook all of a sudden, like, they had they had this whole thing planned out for this local public team scrimmage at a local high school. And Westbrook's just like, no, today's the day. Yep. He knew it was Kevin Durant's birthday. He knew it. <laughs> do you really think that was the reason? I do. I really do. I think That's it's very weird, simple. Man. I think it's very simple. I don't think that it was just like on a whim. I think that he he knew it was Kevin Durant's birthday, so let's do it now. <laughs> That's so weird. I'm just telling you that he's he's a weird dude. He's a weird weird dude. A weirdly awesome dude. Uh, so that was everything that happened before the season. Arguably better than anything that happened within the season. Yeah. Um, those three things back to back to back. Paul George trade, Carmelo Anthony trade, then Russ signs this long-term extension. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody was saying Sam Presti won the summer. Yeah, well, and, Pat- Patterson and Felton signing too. Like both those, right. everybody yeah. praised the. I mean, it was the most incredible summer. I mean, really, is it better than this past summer? May I think probably so because everyone just thought. Like this Thunder team is hopeless. This is the team that they have. They're just going to grow, like the internal development stuff. And then, like, you had, like, wow, like the Thunder are something again, you know. Um, right. this, this past summer definitely rivals it. It's pretty close because of how important everything was. Um, but it, I think it does take the Thunder to another level in a way this summer. But we still have yet to see that. Um, but that summer did take the Thunder to a level that we knew they weren't going to get to with that current team. Yeah, and I think this summer was different because the fan base was more confident after that past summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you you were pretty confident that P- Paul George was going to come back, mm-hmm. um, which I wasn't. But there were a lot of people like you who really thought OKC, OKC had a really good shot. Yeah, um, And so there wasn't... I mean, it was still a surprise, but it wasn't the surprise of Paul George being traded here or Carl Anthony being traded here. Right. Yeah. And we had kind of there were there were just a lot of signs that he wanted to stay. And there were a lot of ways to figure that out. But, yeah, it was it wasn't as shocking as like, oh, my goodness, like now that they have a superstar on their team. Like, what? Um, anyways. Yeah. Uh, so the season, it's a season of ups and downs, but there are way more downs than I remembered. <laughs> I think yeah. I tried to block them out. Like, here's here's what I have listed as, like, down games for them. These are teams they lost to last season. This is crazy. Ugh. So they lost to Sacramento, and then they lost to Detroit, Dallas, and Orlando, three games in a row. 
And then three games after that, they played Minnesota Sac- or San Antonio and Utah. They won all those. I think like those that six games right there smashed together. That's your Thunder season. Like, <laughs> well, and we should mention the game right before that three game skid was the first Golden State game. Right. Yeah. And so you, that yeah. That was November twenty second, twenty eighteen. It was a one hundred eight ninety win, ninety one win at home. Mm-hmm. OKC was seven and nine coming in, and they had just they were coming off of back to back losses um, to New Orleans and San Antonio, and then they they blow the doors off of Golden State, yeah. and this was the first real like tease of the year. I mean, this team just like teased us the entire year. Oh yeah, it was the first game that made us explain away all the bad losses because we could always point back to this game, and there would be more games like this. And like you said, after this game, they would then lose three in a row to Detroit, Dallas, and Orlando. It was such a frustrating season. It was, but there it would there would be these moments like the first Golden State game or the second Golden State game. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, this team, there's something there. <laughs> You're right. I mean, here's the wins that they had. Golden State, Utah, Houston, Toronto, Cleveland, Golden State again, Toronto again, Houston again. Oh, great teams. Like, the best teams that season. And they beat right. all, and they beat them. And in impressive fashion. And then they go on. They lose to Brooklyn. They lose to Charlotte. They lose to the Knicks. They lose to Dallas again. They lost to Phoenix. They lost to the Lakers twice. And this Boston loss is just the most thundery moment of last season. Ugh, I, I wrote that one down as a separate thing. Oh, it's a moment. Yeah, March 20th, uh, 2017, or 2018. Um, they're up five with 17 seconds left. And they lost the game. <laughs> Terry Rozier hits a three, gets them within two. Carmelo Anthony gets fouled, goes to the free throw line. Carmelo misses both free throws. Go on the other end, makes three, boom, game over, Thunder lose. They're five with 17 seconds left. Terrazier takes that three with 13 seconds left. So when I was making notes about that game, I was watching like the last couple minutes, and I wrote down, okay, okay, see, up by six with a minute 45 left. And then I kept watching, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, actually, they were up by six with a minute 15 left. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. And then I keep watching, and I'm like, oh, they were up by six with like 20 seconds left. Like, wh- how did this happen? It was unbelievable. I, I honestly didn't remember how ridiculous it was, and it was ridiculous. Yeah. The free throw stuff is also like a part of that season, is that they were 29th in the free throw percentage, like low 70s. At the free throw line with and good, good free throw shooters taking the shots. And in that final minute, they were four of eight from the line. Russ missed a couple. Steven Adams missed one. It was bad. Oh, so bad. Uh, okay. I've got to go here pretty soon. So let's go through anything else from, from that season. That uh, sticks so out. quickly, it won't make it, but Terrence Ferguson's game against the Lakers when he scored uh, yeah. 24 points on nine to 12 shooting with six threes. Garbage time stuff. Uh, then, of course, who could forget the argument that almost brought down a podcast that down to dunk is this season fun argument? Oh, yeah, it was not. <laughs> it was not fun. I was on the wrong side fun. of that to start. I thought this could get fun. So let's just not <laughs> let's just call it. Not, and it was not fun. They were right. Um, the second Golden State game, which was significant because Melo got hurt, as I mentioned, within mm-hmm. six minutes. And so this game became like the what could have been game because we got to see what this team might have been without Carmelo, which at least for one game was very good. Yeah. Um, so it's a, a very memorable game. And then I think everything else I have is playoffs. Oh, let's get into the playoffs. Playoff P. 
Playoff P, the man, the myth, the legend, only appearing for one game. <laughs> he was so good, then, though. Then vanishing into the night. <laughs> he was, uh, he was yeah. awesome in that game. Yeah, ga- game one, 36 points, 8 of 11 from 3, yeah. shot 65% overall. Playoff P was really fun for approximately one game. <laughs> and then wh- whoever showed up in game six good lord he was so bad in game six i still can't believe how bad he was go back i want people to go back and watch it if you don't believe us and you just think that russell westbrook's a stupid ball hog go watch it go watch him pass the ball off over and over again watch him be like the least aggressive player on the floor like the dude it was like somehow andre robertson gave paul george his offensive talent it was just like yeah good luck like i don't know what to do with it either you know yeah, that was terrible. And then the only other really memorable moment, of course, which is a good one, was Game 5. Yes. 71-47 with about eight minutes left in the third. They end up going on a 32-7 run in the final eight and a half minutes of that third quarter, starting with Russ hitting two back-to-back threes. Yep. Um, the other thing, going back and watching it, was just seeing how aggressive Paul George was. Mm-hmm. I mean – all of his shots in that quarter were on drives to the basket where he's going straight at Gobert. Um, they end up winning 107-99, so it's not even like they came back from this huge deficit and barely won. Like They, they won them. convincingly. That was the um, craziest game. I was in the building for that game. and like, Even in the media section, like you're just looking at people just the whole time, just like, what? I just, I'm, by the fourth quarter i am just hitting this guy next to me i don't even know him i think he's like a scout or something i'm just hitting him in the shoulder every time something happens with the butter like what is happening here uh that's also the game that i uh ate a ton of candy and it was definitely the, <laughs> the catalyst for it was i was eating hot tamales I'd switched from gummy bears to hot tamales, and that was the catalyst for the, the Thunder winning the game. <laughs> and then inspired lots of people to buy hot tamales, and then it was obviously all for naught. But, um, man, it was it was crazy. And Amy texted me, stop eating so many hot tamales, you're going to get diarrhea in the game. So it's great. And and was she right? Uh, actually, no. <laughs> it, was a, it was a victory on all ends. Oh, you got one of them steel traps for a stomach. That's right. Uh, I I think the last one, we could probably end it with this one, would be the Paul George resigning. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good place to end it. Well, we got to talk a little bit about the Mellow exit, too. And probably Mellow's press conference at the end of the season. We can talk about those as one one moment, kind of. But yeah, the Paul George resigning. I mean, we had seen, there was really nothing except for reports outside of Paul George. But if you just monitored Paul George at his you know, season ending press conference and then throughout the summer followed him on social media, there's really nothing that says he was going to leave the Thunder. The only thing that was saying he was going to leave the Thunder was like Ryan Rosillo, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you listen to what he said. He said, my first priority is to get on the same page with the front office, with Russell Westbrook, with Steven Adams, he didn't mention Carmelo Anthony. Like he basically Paul George at that time told us what was going to happen, you know, but people just, we just didn't believe it because we'd had a, a small forward that had lied to us before. And so yeah. we just didn't believe him, but he basically lined it all out for us that 
They were going to get on the same page with those guys and not Carmelo Anthony. And here we are today. Paul George resigns. Carmelo Anthony's gone, and they're trying to get on the same page at the front office. He he literally said it all <laughs> at that exit interview. And you know, if we would have taken it at face value, if like somebody did take it at face value and wrote an article about it and say prediction, here's what's going to happen because here's what Paul George said. They would probably get laughed at at the time, but it would have been absolutely correct. Yeah, I uh, there were so many crazy things. Like even in, in spite of that, like you, you were very confident. You know, none of us were expecting him to sign a three plus one. No, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, the documentary was kind of part of this, too. Yeah. And then the house party, which Luke knew about before anyone else I know. Mm-hmm. I know he had talked to you about it and like he didn't want to tell anyone, but he had it so early and 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 kept his mouth shut. He didn't tell anyone. And so I knew about it, but I didn't know like if Luke actually knew. Right. And so we were we were kind of just guessing and then eventually there was like the uh the invitation that somebody had from like an email. Mm-hmm. And so we could look at that and so then we started believing it a little bit more. Yeah. But then Paul George was in L.A. and he was apparently at some like charity event. And so then it got confusing again. Right. <laughs> um, but it, it was it was a really fun. I mean, compared to like when KD left, obviously, right. like, it was actually fun reading the tea leaves like because there right. weren't really that many negative ones. Right. And that Saturday morning, I'd done a Dream Team podcast with Royce. And at the time, Royce knew that Paul George was staying. And I knew about the party. And I was like, Royce, tell me about this party tonight, man. And he's like, I can't tell you. I was like, tell me <laughs> if it means that Paul George is staying. And this is all off the podcast. And he's like, I can't tell you that. And I said, well, you just told me, <laughs> you just, <laughs> you just told me what was going to happen tonight. Uh, yeah, that, and, and then like real information started to trickle in like around lunchtime that day. And then, you know, it was pretty much official like throughout that day, like you just knew like that it was a formality that he was going to say that he was going to resign. But it's just, it's going to remain crazy that he did not give the Lakers a meeting that he resigned the instant that he could. And so did Jeremy Grant, which is great too. But the fact that he committed to this team, it just seemed improbable after like all those things that we mentioned about, there were some really good times, but the times were really bad. And, I, and we really should mention the Andre Robertson injury, and that should be a moment that we vote on uh, because yeah. it was one of the bigger moments of the season. Because when he went down, there was definitely like, oh, man, like the Thunder, def- they're worse without him, but let's see how they do. Man, they were horrible. I thought the coaching staff, that was maybe one of the worst coaching jobs that the Thunder have done in the history of the team. I mean, obviously next to P.J. Carlissimo, but they just did not recover from it well. And so, I don't know. It was it was really bad. But, you know, with all the ups and downs, with a ton of really down moments and then really losing to Utah in the first round, which, you know, some people predicted, but a lot of people picked the Thunder to win. And, you know, it's, it's embarrassing to lose in the first round to a team like that. And he still comes back. And so it's, it's a huge moment in Thunder history. And then, Obviously, Carmelo, he was really unhappy. Um, I was sitting next to Fred Katz at the exit interview for Mello. And I just, like, stared at him <laughs> for forever after the exit interview. Just like, <laughs> what just happened? Like, he's leaving. Like, he's out of here. And he was. And 
you know, everybody kind of thought that he was going to get bought out and waved and stretched. And some people still think that that would be a better thing for the Thunder, which, you know, that remains to be seen, but I think is a really dumb idea. Uh, but they were able to get a, a wing with potential in Timothy Luavu Cabarro, and they got Dennis Schroeder, a backup point guard, that is excited to play for this team. And, you know, it's it's a great trade for the Thunder in a lot of ways and saved them a boatload of money. And now we get to go see if Melo ruins the Rockets. And so it's very exciting. So I'm just looking at the list of what we have. We have 31 things. It's a lot of things. Yeah, I don't think the Joffrey Laverne trade is going to make it, Andrew. Oh, come on. What about Deontay Burton? Should that, does no. that make it? No. Lego man? We, nope. Nope. Not right. letting that one in. Okay. Uh, okay, well that was that was a happy pod. There was, was a lot of happy, happy stuff in there. I'm, it's exciting. Like the season, I know that Russell's like he had his operation. I'm very optimistic about the outcome of that. But you know, like this season, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Even though Isaiah Thomas picks the pick the Thunder to miss the playoffs on NBA TV. Are, are you worried at all about Westbrook being tired with having twins? See, I'm more, I am more worried about the twins than I am about his knee. That's that'd be. I mean, my, my sister had twins like a a year and a half ago, and she is just exhausted all the time. Oh yeah, it's exhausting. But also, if I mean, he's gonna. There's gonna be like five people that are going to be tending to these twins that he has hired. So right, that was a really cool video that the Thunder put out yesterday, though. Yeah, I like that. It was <laughs> yeah. very sweet of him playing with Noah in the little class. <laughs> it was good. I like Russell. He's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, there's a lot to be excited about as a Thunder fan. And like going through all this history, like we're finally done going through this history. Media Day is Monday. You know, real stuff is going to be rolling through. But just the fact that we get to end up at this point after 10 full seasons of Thunder basketball and all that history is behind us. But we still like there's still a lot of history to be written for this team in a good way, which is crazy. Like it shouldn't be this way. Like most franchises don't get to do this. And so like all, all along, like throughout most of our the history of the Thunder, we thought that Kevin Durant was going to be our Tim Duncan, but it's Russell Westbrook. And we don't really know what his career looks like from here on out. Uh, but it's going to be really fun and exciting to see what it's like. And so uh, I'm excited for the season. Uh, anything else, Alex, before, before we go? No, that's it. I'm ex- so good. next week is, is media day. So uh, Sam Presti talks to the media tomorrow for the first time. I will not be there, um, but we'll talk about it on Friday pod. We'll have a dream team pod about it too. Uh, And then Monday I will be at media day for the players. Uh, We'll talk to some players and, and whatnot. So we'll, we'll have some content for you for real then. Great timing by us. So we're going to, I'll finish up this division obviously by Monday probably. And then we'll have our final four, so that we can pick the overall most memorable Thunder moment. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. Uh, Thanks for listening. Follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes if you want to vote on that. I'll retweet it as well, but you should be following him on Twitter anyways. Uh, Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Please leave us a five-star iTunes review if you've enjoyed this little series, or at least even parts of the series. If you've enjoyed (laughs) it, please leave us a five-star iTunes review. Uh, it's really simple. If you have an iPhone, it should take you less than 30 seconds to do it. Just search for us in the Purple Podcast app, Down to Dunk, hit five stars, boom, done. Uh, please do that if you have a chance today. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday. 
and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.